GameStop Part 2. You asked, we listened. Mike's going to do another appearance on the show today. And before we get started, I want to tell you about a disclaimer, which is Mike and I eloped last month and didn't really tell anybody, even though I'm sure everyone had their suspicions. So we are still figuring out how to talk about numbers and our net worth and all that kind of stuff as two people who have joined together instead of our own separate entities. So there's still that. And then I also want to let you know that Mike and I are doing just fine. We're talking about on paper gains and losses here. Uh, We're very savvy when it comes to creating a strategy in and out of a high-risk investment. So this is all just for fun, just for learning purposes. We're doing a-okay. Don't worry. And I'm also just so excited to just share with you what I've learned about money this week. It's blown my mind. It's turned my world upside down, which is to say that cliche advice people tell you about waking up early and meditating and doing affirmations and visualization turns out actually has a lot of merit because when you're doing something like surfing a high-risk stock on the stock market, you have to be cool as a cucumber. And again, this doesn't just apply to stocks. This applies to starting your own business. There's so many situations, but that's what Money Self Made is about. It's about uh, conquering your mind to conquer your money. And as always, we are not financial advisors, and this is not a solicitation of any securities we're discussing. This is only for educational purposes and entertainment only. I do want to define a few terms for you. So the first of those terms is the FIRE movement, which means financially independent, retire early. It's something that Mike and I have been on the fringe of for a couple of years now, and it was the match that lit my passion for personal finance. And then the second movement we're talking about is you only live once, also known as YOLO, which is kind of like carpe diem for millennials. And I wouldn't say they're completely different approaches to personal finance, but in the context of this conversation, I hope that helps you understand what we're talking about. And on the same note, if any of these terms feel confusing at all, I have put together a comprehensive guide on the website, moneyselfmade.com. It's got a complete timeline, glossary of terms, uh, step-by-step guide, everything you wanted to know about GameStop, but we're too afraid to ask. So be sure to check that out and let's get started. So what Mike and I did, just so everyone knows, immediately as soon as we saw things um, go up, we sold our original investment. So we are not losing on this bet, if that makes sense. We actually sold enough to double, but in doing that, we had to account for what we're going to pay on taxes. And that's why betting on individual stocks is just no fun at all, because you have to sell your, um, you have to give half of your gains to taxes. So if you can hold on to it for a year, the gains will be significantly less. So that's why we tend to play the long game, but who doesn't want to be a part of uh, uh, an activism investments like phenomenon. So that's pretty exciting at this point. I think we're just in it because this is fun (laughs) to talk about. Um, But I mean, did you ever think that this was what this would become? I'm, I'm surprised. And I just like, I think the press thinks that we were all conspiring to do this together, but that's not how it was a few months ago, as I realized, unless you think there's maybe some, some bigger forces at play. Everyone was talking about it because we like the stock. We like the thesis. We like the idea of uh, there could be a, a short a short squeeze potential. Did did we conspire to bring down a hedge fund? No, no. That that, that there was no conspiring. Uh, like Wall Street bets and things like that on on Reddit forums are just a, a a bunch of people talking about losses typically. Like oh hey I threw a bunch of stupid money and buying really dumb plays. Uh, the, the idea behind GameStop was hey this was we could short squeeze and we could. Um, 
we could have a really good long play here. It's a really good value play. Yeah, um, I mean, I think for me, I do feel frustrated because some of the financial bloggers that I really look up to um, seem to be carrying the same sentiment as the press. And uh, I'm disappointed that they don't have a resource that that shows it from the perspective that we've been, been watching things play out. Yeah. I am curious. I'd love to tackle just kind of like the bro culture criticisms criticisms of Wall Street bets. And, and there's kind of no way around that mm-hmm. uh, because I hear Wall Street bets is kind of like the floor of a stock trading room in the 80s, like Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, you, and I mean, <laughs> <laughs> how bad? That is it. So they, they call each other degenerates and retards. And uh, so there's there's degenerates, which are just people who uh, go to Wall Street bets. There's uh, retards who are idiots who just buy whatever and don't know what they're buying because they don't know what a stock is. They don't know what an option is. They literally just throw shit at a wall and see if uh, things stick. Uh, then there's what they call autists who are actually read into things and do their due diligence. And so is it broy? Um, I wouldn't say bro it's just a bunch of idiots throwing weird th- weird ideas around and doing silly plays online. Um, bunch of they call themselves smooth brains. I mean there's not a lot of smart people on there, but at the same time there are a lot of very, very smart people. Are they broy? No, I've seen posts by women um, showing their DD and their losses and their gains. And it's not just all gain. Like it's been a gain fest lately because uh, GameStop has propelled people from ten thousand dollar. Uh, to hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's uh, there's been a lot of winning lately, but typically one of the things that a lot of people go to Wall Street bets for is the loss porn, is what they call it. So see, seeing people lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, people leveraging up, like people uh, finding out in, that there's an infinity uh, money cheat code on Robinhood in its earlier days, um, leveraging up on a $2,000 um, initial deposit making that into a $60,000 leveraged and then buying next day to expiry calls and then losing it all in 30 seconds on the next uh, opening bell. So these are the kinds of things. Is it broy? Um, not really. There's just a lot of people who sit around showing, like having fun trading stupid bets that <laughs> would never be uh, touted as reasonable or responsible. Uh, but I don't think there's a bro culture. It's pretty, it's pretty open. It's awesome because there's no politics. Um, People just call each other idiots and uh, try to make money, even though they the most most of the time fail at that. Uh, but definitely not a bro culture like some of the people on the news would like to call out. No, um, in fact, there's uh, if bro culture is uh, taking your winnings uh, and buying a whole bunch of uh, Nintendo Switches at GameStop and donating them to your local. Uh, charities, your local children's hospital where kids are suffering from cancer. Um, if you call that Rowie, then sure, th- there's a lot of good people who are uh, donating massive amounts of money. Uh, so one thing about this redistribution of wealth is there's there's been a lot of good come with it because I'll tell you what, uh, um, I've seen more. Th- there's actually a, um, a Wall, Street, Wall Street Bets gives back sub forum uh, just based upon all of the people who have uh, taken their winnings and then given it back. So donations to St. Jude, uh, Children's Hospitals, uh, Cancer Associations, Autism Speaks, uh, et cetera. So um, while there's a lot of uh, terrible language being thrown around and uh, self-deprecating humor, there's also a lot of good that comes out of that with all the donations that come from the people who do win. So they do stress on giving back, which I think is uh, pretty heavily overlooked. I love that. Yeah, I mean, somebody donated their earnings and bought Nintendo Switches and donated them to a hospital. So there's there's a ton of that. Those, um, and it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, this isn't a new thing. Typically, when there's like a big set of wins, um, you, you see people giving back uh, on a pretty regular basis. So 
That's cool. That's really cool. That's the other thing, like, I just want this conversation to hit home is, like, this has been going on for a long time before suddenly, like, everybody cares now. But, uh, like, I start, I became aware of Wall Street bets when – who was that guy who lost all that money and it was – through through a glitch in Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, briefly <laughs> mentioned that earlier. He did an infinite leverage glitch. Uh, so he was able to deposit $2,000, pay $5 for the Robin Hood gold. Um, and then what he did was he would go and sell really, really in the money covered calls. So he would get credit. So he would go and sell, say, like 100 covered calls, and it would give him $20,000 of money. He would then go, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, he would. What he would do would he, he got that initial credit, two thousand dollars instant deposit. He bought Robinhood margin, so he could have margin buying, which essentially doubles your buying power. So for every dollar you have, you'll get two for actual buying power. So what he did is he bought a chunk of AMD as much as he could for the for four thousand dollars of AMD. And then what he did, he then went and sold a bunch of really in the money covered calls. So he gets a bunch of credit. This credit would then double his purchasing power because uh, at the time, Robinhood's margin calculations uh, weren't appropriately showing that um, this money isn't really money you have because you could potentially be um, your your um, money could be called or not your money, but your calls, your uh, stock could be called away at any given time. It didn't calculate appropriate for that. So it gave him like 10,000 more dollars of credit, which doubled. So, and then he went and bought more AMD and then he sold more covered calls and he bought more AMD and sold more covered calls. It was like a, a cycle, um, which shouldn't be allowed. Any other decent broker would have never allowed that to happen. Um, he was able to leverage up to like $50,000. Um, and then he bought a bunch of Apple puts and lost it all. And uh, I mean, it, it was immediate. It was a guh moment. That was, that was a pretty big uh, thing. People made it. He, and he live streamed it. He didn't just... He didn't just post. That was the first time anyone had had such a catastrophic loss <laughs> over a live stream. So he kind of set that uh, trend into motion. But yeah, that, that was uh, that was definitely an interesting one. That was last uh, that was last summer, a little bit after we went into a uh, lockdown, 2020. That was highly entertaining, and that was like the first. I mean, for me, you know, glitch in the system that has been detected by Wall Street bets. But I'm sure there's been a few more stories like that. So yeah. Well, the latest one is uh, hedge funds completely overlevered and uh, not having risk management, which we're living through right now. Yes. Who knows what the next one will be? I did want to touch upon sort of like the FIRE community versus YOLO, which mm -hmm. was defined by somebody I listened to very nicely. But essentially, the FIRE community is what Mike and I have sort of been on the fringe of for two years now. I discovered it. I devoured everything related to it, and that's what we've been aiming for is to get to the certain number where you can essentially live on um, perpetual interest, and that's like a, a huge oversimplification. But the FIRE community preaches uh, index funds, which is very sound, savvy, solid advice. And then there's this new sort of YOLO stock approach <laughs> where people go all in on Tesla uh, and their stock memes, and that actually in itself is another new influential form of media that could potentially be dangerous, but I don't see how it's, it's just a new form of the same old Kramer stuff we've been watching for decades, yeah. in my opinion. Um, well, the YOLO stuff is actually not anything new or at least non-diversification. Um, a lot of the really, really great investors are people who have made a lot of money. Uh, typically say, uh, if you wanna get really rich, then you need to take risk. So the higher the risk, the higher the reward. So if you want to put it on autopilot and throw it in ETF, you're going to do well. 
you're not going to do amazing. You won't be Warren Buffett style. So Warren Buffett was a, a value investor. So like our, our friend, Rory and Kitty, who looks for deep value, uh, that's what Warren Buffett does. He looks for a deep, deep value play and goes in very, very deeply. Um, so uh, having it to be a significant part of your investment strategy, um, knowing that you're going to get outsized returns. So it's it's not a new, the yellow is, um, <laughs> it, it's kind of, it, it's gotten flippant because it's become uh, kind of more of a, hey, I'm going to take my entire portfolio and I'm not just going to do a value play. What the YOLO is, I'm going to find something completely outrageous based upon some far-fetched theory I have of why this stock may or may not do well, and then purchase a whole bunch of options that is my entire buying power. And these options inspire and expire in one week. And either I'm going to make a million plus dollars on this one play, or I'm going to go broke. <laughs> so that's that's the YOLO. Um, it, it, yeah, that's uh, it's not really a sound plan. More often than not, you will go completely broke doing YOLOs. Uh, but it is a lot of fun to maybe play with a small portion of your investment portfolio, like I do it. I I will buy uh, options occasionally because I I have fun with that. I I like the I. It's just fun purchasing some of these financial instruments and seeing where they'll go. But uh, I don't I don't recommend it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mike and I both enjoy skydiving as a recreational activity. So I mean, I get my kicks out of watching it, but I also am highly anxious and very critical and often cynical. So I really like the investor get rich slowly index fund path. Uh, but it's true, Warren Buffett will confess himself that he has many losses as well as wins. Um, and so I think it's always important to just kind of like keep that in mind and know your own risk tolerance. If you're the type of person who's going to get $100,000 deep in a stock and panic sell because it drops 50% or 75%, then that is not the path for you. It just, you know, and that's okay. It's, it's, I have, I have doubled my net worth in the last 365 days with index funds. And that's okay. So uh, yeah, I just would like to bring that home because not everyone has that risk tolerance. And maybe that's a good thing because some people uh, lose a lot, but. Yes. Right. And like, that's something I really wanna drive home. So uh, with these types of investments, uh, when Bitcoin exploded, I didn't already have Bitcoin and I wasn't gonna go buy some then. So I just wanna talk about the be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So usually I'm aware that by the time I've heard of a trend, it's too late, unfortunately. The reason why I was on board as much as I could be with the amount of risk you wanted to take in December is because I noticed that uh, the press saying that GameStop was the next blockbuster, et cetera. And I noticed that people were not being greedy around GameStop. So I also want to touch upon that. And, um, you know, was this decision a brave decision or was it a calculated decision on your part? Uh, this was just a calculated decision for sure. Um, cause it was just a very high probability asymmetric trade cause it was trading so low. Um, even because again, I think I've gone and talked over the, the amount of revenue they've done per year and what their current valuation was when I bought in. Uh, when I initially bought in, their valuation at the time was like $1.1 billion valuation when just their e-commerce is bringing in $1.7 billion gross per year. So if that's not undervalued, uh, I don't know what is. Uh, it was just a, you could tell it was an artificially beat down um, stock at that point, uh, especially with the, the transition and it going to better in a better direction. 
100%. I like that. Um, I think it's, you know, bold and calculated, but I think what the press also doesn't understand. So another thing that really sold me on the GameStop GameStop stock was Ryan Cohen's Twitter feed, which looks extremely confusing uh, if you don't understand internet culture. So he was tweeting these articles saying that GameStop was the next blockbuster with odd emojis. I think the other question I had for you was like, how did you manage your fear and greed through all of this? Or do you even feel fear or greed? And I ask you that because you could have gotten out. And I've seen a lot of our friends who actually got in, made a lot, couldn't handle it, got out. And that's okay. Yeah, we have a have a couple of friends that uh, were in there, and they probably jumped out a lot earlier than than necessary. They saw it shoot from uh, like twenty dollars to thirty seven dollars, and they're like, "Wow, oh my gosh!" Um, another friend that uh, got in and wrote it up to seventy, and they were like, "Oh no!" And they they pulled out. Um, it is stressful, but uh, I think really I have the thesis of going in for a long term hold. I have a, a few ideas of where I think they should be valued in the long term. Um, I set exit points with a uh, a limit order that is uh, good until canceled and also runs the extended hours. So if my price points are hit, it'll automatically sell. Therefore, it takes away my fear of missing out because uh, if I mean, the, the the exit points I already exited one point, which got my initial investment out. I'm happy about that. So it's paid for itself already. Um, the rest of it is I do want to hold it for a long time. So I have a, a couple price points where I'll be happy to exit. But uh, then there's some astronomical exits to kind of say, OK, if it doesn't hit that, then I'm still going to hold a, a certain amount for a very a long, long term. So that, that's kind of how you avoid um, fear of the market or greed of the market. Uh, have have your entry ha- and then have your exit points. Have a predetermined exit points uh, set by uh, predefined orders. So you're not sitting there watching it every moment. Um, I've already come to accept like this is this is what would make me happy if we hit this point um, and I'll sell this many. If it hits the next point, then I'm going to sell some more. Um, so and if it doesn't hit those, I'm prepared to just be in it in the long game because I've already um, recouped my initial investment. Do you want to talk at all about just sort of your history with investing, our history with investing? We like met and fell in love over spreadsheets, basically. I think our first conversation was about Bitcoin. The nerdiness goes so deep. But I don't want anyone to think that we are flippant about this or that, I mean, we probably devour at least one to two financial books every couple of weeks. But I know your interest and knowledge goes even deeper than my obsession. So if you want to talk about kind of like what uh, what your background is in terms of how you came to be this knowledgeable. I know you like Investopedia. It's just that there's so much misinformation and bad information. And that's why I want to like find a way to steer people into into something that could be true and accurate. So Investopedia is great. But like, how are you able to pull out the good stuff versus the the bad and ignore the media, for example? Well, just don't watch the news. I particularly, I have a couple things. I got a, a Discord channel that I'm in. It's called Atlas Trading. Uh, they have a lot of uh, really good reading. They are a, uh, a pretty much a trading group, kind of like Wall Street Bets. Wall Street Bets is just kind of a bunch of idiots throwing stuff against the wall. But um, uh, Atlas Trading is essentially a consortium of people who do momentum trading. Uh, so they they look at charts, they do technical analysis, they do volume analysis, uh, price volume analysis, trends, uh, market cycles, et cetera. And they get in and out of trades um, based upon market cycles, volume, and uh, momentum is what they call it. Uh, but uh, my with, with those, it's getting into 
even if you don't want to be a day trader, looking into those kinds of forums, you start to talk to other people uh, who are in it. What do they look for with the stock, like in terms of valuations? Um, how to read news articles? How to read uh, different SEC filings? Because uh, there's so many about all the companies and their disclosures and what they have to have available to the public. Uh, how to read um, news articles and how to read through the lines and what's bad information, what's good information. So uh, talking with fellow individuals and not just having um, like, oh, I go to the New York Times and that's the only place I get my financial information or I go to um, Financial Times and that's the only place I get my financial information because a lot of those times they're just gonna be really specific to drawing clicks, um, advertisement revenue uh, and, and creating content that draws you in where some of these more grassroots or uh, forum type places are just individuals sharing uh, information. And the nice thing about those is if you have a lot of individual people that are thinking for themselves and trying to understand how everything works and doing their own due diligence, um, you can start spotting bad information. Um, and also people who are in it and trying to uh, understand what's going on with the company. If, if someone comes in the chat room or into the forum uh, or on the message board and they start saying, hey, buy this, buy this, um, you have a whole bunch of people who can then go take a look at it, uh, digest the information, uh, break it down, do the due diligence, and then come back and say, hey, this is absolute garbage. Or they're going to say, hey, you have a point. This is actually really good information. Thank you for sharing with the with the chat room or the, the forum. So getting your information more from people who have taken the time to research and do their due diligence um, and wanna share their understanding of the market and investments. Uh, that's, that's what I would, if you wanna get deeper into it, find a chat room or find uh, a forum or find some type of trading uh, outpost where uh, people come together and share ideas. Cause that's, that's going to be the best way to do it. Cause then you'll start spotting trends. Um, other people will spot trends. They'll bring it to the, you know, the notice of all the people in the chat room. Uh, the, the multiple people can digest it. If someone doesn't like it, they can throw back uh, why they don't like it, why they do like it. Um, and you have kind of a brain trust rather than having the news come down from a single point, which is like CNBC or Fox or wherever, whoever might be spreading their particular point of um, that's, their particular focus and when it comes from the news um, essentially you have a whole room or a, a big conglomerate of people that are crafting these ideas and putting them into manageable uh, bite-sized pieces of information which you then consume through the website so um, there's a lot of calculation and coordination behind some of these major news articles where um, the retail investor has a, a lot of savvy and um, can have this brain trust. It's like uh, the the wealth of ideas and bouncing the ideas off of uh, other individuals who have been in the market for a while is uh, almost a better way to go. So that, that's what I do. I, I mean, I stay. I, I have my chat rooms and my forums, and um, so that's that's what I do to stay abreast of things. Recently, someone told me if you actually want a good answer to something, Google the term and then include Reddit at the end because it's the only way that you can find something that isn't search engine optimized to feed yes. you whatever you're having to like, whatever you're looking for to keep you in whatever information bubble. Uh, and I found that as well. And it's funny because, um, you know, I turned off the news a long time ago because I, I worked in media and was very understanding of that process. But then, uh, you know, it's happening with the top 10 Google search results as well. So it's getting harder mm -hmm. and harder to find 
find uh, information that's going to challenge you. But you're so right. I think those like different perspectives and conversations are are far more key than just consuming and accepting whatever you're you're given. So exactly. I love it. Okay, great. So anything else you want to add? We went way longer, but I could talk about this all day. So <laughs> we did. No, it's yeah. fine. Um, just uh, if you get into trading or you get into stock market, um, don't risk anything that you're not willing to lose. Mm. Um, read up, do due diligence. Uh, when I say due diligence, do reading. If you want to do individual stock picks, look at how much they make every year, how much they make every quarter, what's their margins, margins being how much do they actually make. Um, look at uh, their footprint, look at their competitors, look at everything, just really engross yourself in whatever stock you want to purchase. Um, if you don't want to go that deep, then <laughs> then don't do it. Don't Don't purchase things that you don't know what they are or how they function. So say with stocks, with options, with futures, if you want to get into more stuff, don't buy an investment vehicle that you don't understand how it works. So understand how things function and uh, educate yourself with as much reading, listening to audiobooks, podcasts, etc. cetera. Um, that's about it. So you were going to pull up your screen and kind of just show me what happened, I believe, on Thursday when... Uh, the like Robin Hood messed with some of these buttons and, and mm -hmm. why that could have been. Yeah, I, this is just the market. So this okay. was on the 28th. So this is on Thursday, January 28th. Um, this was right here, um, right about 9 a.m., 9.58. We were about to go nuclear. We had a top of 485 or 482 or somewhere around there, um, at which point right here we um they cut off all buying right here so you couldn't buy on many many different platforms uh, and they announced it to the world at which point you could only liquidate your position so totally messed up um, at which point we see it tank and tank and tank on relatively low volume like um uh, these these um the the bars down here at the bottom indicate volume so the the number of uh shares that were bought and sold during the time so like here at the very opening so tons of tons of buys um and the green indicates that there was more buys than sells during that time frame um and we, we ramp up pretty quick we had buys 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 until um okay we're not allowed to buy anymore um at which point we have sell and then if you take a look these uh the the bars here indicate really 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 low volume and we can see that i mean we had a so the bars up top, this indicates how when it opened and when it closed for that particular minute. Uh, so from here to here, and then relatively low volume down here. So we go down and we go down more in relatively low volume. So um, so the only thing we could do is sell and it really tanked even without a lot of um, shares being sold. Um, then at the very bottom we have, as you can see, uh, two very, very large bars of purchasing in two minutes. Um, this is where we speculate. They, they shut everything down. The only people who could buy here really uh, are major funds. So there's some significant manipulation on the way down in order to tank the price at very low volumes and then a massive purchase down at the bottom. Um, if that's not manipulation, I, I don't know what it is. I hope I hope this gets investigated. But yeah, that was 
that was the very top 285. The very bottom was about 115 or somewhere on there. I think it tanked at the very bottom at like 112 uh, was, was the very bottom of it before it rebounded back. Um, Cause there was uh, some funds that did start to allow trading again. But as you can see here, most of this, um, the only people who could really buy in heavy volume or hedge funds or the, the funds. So um, that's what I was talking about. We could see at the, the bottom, just very high spike in purchases at the very bottom, at which point we expect that, because uh, this is about to go nuclear um, up at the very, very top. So significant market manipulation in this time frame. Market, market manipulation, how and why? How? Uh, well, they stopped trading. They stopped trading only on one side. Um, they said you can't buy anymore. So many brokers um, said you can't buy anymore. And one of those brokers, one of the biggest ones that has gotten a lot of flack was Robinhood. Um, behind Robinhood, uh, there's Robinhood sends all of the orders to a market maker that's kind of inter in an intermediary between the brokerage and all the other brokerages. So interchanging. And that's uh, that's Citadel. Citadel is a major uh, market maker that um, pretty much purchases all the flow order for your your order flow from uh, from Robinhood. So to to kind of break that down, uh, Robinhood is a free brokerage. They don't uh, charge you anything except for like if you want Robinhood Gold. I think it's like five dollars a month. Um, but what they do in order to actually make money is they sell your order flow. So that means whenever you buy or sell, they sell your orders to the market maker, Citadel. So Citadel is who moves all the orders in between and they supply um, pretty much liquidity for a lot of the market. Uh, Citadel is one of the um, market makers and hedge funds that went to back up Melvin Capital. So Melvin Capital was uh, one of the, the major short interests in GameStop. So Melvin uh, Capital got a almost $3 billion bailout from Citadel. So Citadel essentially, what the, the speculation is, I don't have any hard evidence of this, unfortunately, um, but it's, it's being thought that uh, Citadel told whoever their, um, their customers are, to, to stop selling GameStop. So no one could buy anymore. And then uh, there's a lot of tactics that uh, hedge funds and market makers can do to drive a price down without a lot of volume, uh, specifically selling um, a very low volume of shares uh, between prime brokers uh, in the background and not actually, not actually buying and selling them uh, and causing uh, the price to drop. So I think that's what we saw. We see a pretty low um, volume tanking it uh, 400. I mean, this is the, that drop that we saw was a, a pretty much a $400 drop. We were at 480 and it went down to 112. So that was massive, massive, massive drop um, on very low volume. Um, so the the manipulation part is stopping trading in only one direction, not allowing retail traders to actually trade, and only allowing massive funds to actually purchase. Uh, the the subsequent tanking of the price. 400 plus dollars and then a massive buy at the very bottom of that trench. So that's that's the, the market manipulation is the tanking. So um, the people who are in short positions could cover at a much lower price.
Oh, well, let's talk about the billboards as well. So, I mean, that's been an entertaining thing for all of us who are financial news nerds. What's up with the billboards? Oh, just people are, people like the stock. People like GameStop so much. Uh, They just want to get the word out that GameStop is awesome. So um, they're buying, I've seen billboards for Times Square. So it's in New York Um, and Utah, I think I saw Denver. Um, I mean, there's many states. I, I saw probably five or six Wall Street bets posts saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a billboard here and here and here." Um, so it's just it's just exploding. So hopefully we'll get uh, more eyes on it. I think it's just really cool to see um, all these people just taking their own money and throwing it at billboard. Apparently these billboards are really cheap. It's like eighteen dollars an hour. Um, so with some of the some of the money that we've they've actually gained from GameStop, they can go and purchase <laughs> uh, billboards at, at ridiculously low prices that say how much they like GameStop. I mean, that's kind of what's craziest is GameStop could not have asked for better PR, nor could a mm-hmm. company like Robinhood asked for, unfortunately, worse PR. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I it's it's kind of even in, more interesting because this will probably drive good things, good uh, sales for GameStop and GameStop <laughs> that might rise. GameStop, GameStop stock. So <laughs> say it five times fast. Yeah, very cool. I I, I think this is going to be kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. Even even after we see the squeeze happen, or if we do, if we don't see a squeeze, I think we're on. Uh, if anything, we saw one of the most aggressive repricing of a stock that we've seen because they were severely undervalued and now people are saying oh they're ridiculously overvalued but um if we take into it all the the speculation of what they're shooting for um the powerhouses of e-commerce that they have behind them um, a lot of companies are trading at multiple um multiples of their gross revenue per year um and at this point they're they've gotten to that point. So now that with, with their current price at closing at 325, they're valued at about $22 billion, which is for the amount of stores they have and forward looking revenue of what we could do through the console cycle. That's actually a reasonable pricing for the size of the gaming industry and what they could do in, in revenue over uh, the next few years. So um, if you believe that Tesla can be valued at what it is now, um, and then you argue fundamentals, uh, Tesla is trading at like 1500 times um, their earnings per share. So that's absolutely absurd. Um, so GameStop is uh, at like a negative something per share. So they, they were losing money, but they are turning around. So if you can, if you can think that Tesla can be valued at what it is, then um, I know they're, they're two totally different things. But if you argue fundamentals and then you say, well, I own Tesla, um, then you actually don't believe in fundamentals. You just have uh, this ass backwards thinking of that, that you can price a uh, or you can put a price on a stock when you can't, the market's going to do that. And in 2008, we saw the economy collapse. People lost their houses. And if you go to Wall Street Bets right now, there's a lot of stories about, hey, my family was impacted significantly by the 2008 fallout. We lost our houses. We lost our business. We went into debt, um, et cetera. We've struggled ever since then. The other night, there was such a great conversation on Twitch. Uh, the last time we filmed the podcast, and it was with the founder of Reddit, uh, the stock guy who's a retail trader and a government representative official who seemed to be taking the side of the people on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems, where do you think everybody is landing for the most part in terms of picking a side? I think a lot of people are on the side of retail. 
Uh, I think the SEC we've seen come out and say uh, they're more on the side of retail uh, for the, the the budget. So the Democrats just took uh, this House, the Senate, and the presidency. Uh, Bernie Sanders is now head of the budget committee. So I don't think we'll see like a, a bailout, but I think a lot of the powers that be uh, governmentally are on our side because we had AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, she came out on our side. That was who was on the, the Twitch. Uh, we've even seen Republicans come out because Republicans are all about free market. So um, Republicans came out saying, hey, what what the F is going on? Uh, this is ridiculous that you're stopping trading, restricting only retail and allowing all the hedge funds to continue trading. Um, we've even seen, <clears throat> crazy enough, we've actually seen uh, Fox News actually come out on the side of retail traders as well. Uh, they're calling BS on a lot of the what's going on by stopping retail from trading what they want to trade. Um, so it's really an interestingly bipartisan uh, thing. The only ones that aren't bipartisan, uh, I think we've seen CNBC spreading a lot of uh, garbage uh, about uh, what actually is going on and being on the side of the hedge funds like, oh, Reddit's just an evil entity that's uh, trying to take down all this when they're they're continually not saying that these massive funds have entered into an infinitely risky situation and not had proper risk management and infinitely risky. Like, uh, so the, the thing is with the retail traders now, we can buy a stock and we can hold it. The most it can go down to is zero. With a short, the most it can go up to is whatever the price caps out at. So that's an infinite amount of risk and they haven't appropriately covered that. I think that's so interesting and I completely agree with you. And I've actually been shocked. I turned off the news years ago and I'm so grateful that I did. I mean, because I listened to counterculture internet news is why I knew about, for example, this kind of stuff happening before anyone else did. But um, I love that this is a story of the country finally uniting. I try to remain politically agnostic or as much so as possible to keep my thinking clear. And I'm relieved to finally see that um, a number of forces have come together to point out exactly what you said, that this was a ridiculous risk. And the founder of Reddit on the Twitch conversation said something I thought was right on, uh, right spot on, which was it's such a weak thing to do to one bet a company is going out of business and to borrow money betting a company is going out of business. I mean, I wouldn't even want somebody to manage my money in that way. And I would never manage my mm -hmm. own money that way. In fact, like as a stock rule, I only bet on success because that just seems... I mean, I only want to be behind something I believe in, so. Yep, most people do. 100%. And I mean, I think there's so many wounds that we need to talk about with our generation and, and what this means on kind of a larger level. I think in 2008, I just graduated from college and I couldn't get a job despite having um, this degree in education I'd worked really hard for. You had recently purchased a house you know, mm -hmm. right before the crash, uh, yep. you were smart and savvy and you held on to it. But, um, you know, we saw the worst of the worst stuff that maybe people a few years before or after didn't have to quite endure at such a vulnerable age. So I think that this feels like retribution for so many. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It does. And hopefully getting someone to be held accountable. Uh, they, These massive institutions really shouldn't be able to have so much risk that they're able to stop trading completely just because they say, oh, if we continue trading, our entire system will literally melt down. Um, hello? If they're able to get themselves into that kind of situation where a single stock of a gaming company puts you at so much risk that you're going to melt down the entire, like, the entire structure of the financial system, then that's a problem. 
that's a real big problem. And uh, that needs to be changed right there. That shouldn't even be capable of happening. And to, to think that we're in a situation that they had to do that, or they had to do that because it was all going to melt down, then someone needs to step up at, at our uh, governmental level to make sure that there's rules in place that don't allow this kind of risk to be taken uh, that would undermine the stability of the entire U.S. financial system. I mean, on that note, let's talk about the little guy in the middle, because I hear that a lot from the press, which is like the grannies and the grampies who have their uh, bonds. And I mean, that is a worry <laughs> for me. I don't want my investment yeah. choices to yeah. be harming the average everyday person who maybe doesn't have this level of insight or knowledge into what's, you know, isn't obsessed with money like me. Mm -hmm. So what would you say? So the, the, the hedge funds that are currently... Uh, that are having troubles or that are are very short they're they're most hedge funds like you said bet on the long game they're going to bet on success uh there's there's a, a handful a subset that do short type uh positions and those types of hedge funds are typically like the, the ones that are uh failing severely right now um are reserved for institutional investors so um or an accredited investor, I think, is what the term it is. So uh, all of this is if you have over a million dollars of net worth and you draw in over $200,000 a year, then you can put money into this particular hedge fund. So these aren't these funds that are short trading are typically not your typical mom and pop um, uh, like investment. They're not holding 401ks or uh, major pensions for places. Uh, so if they did go go under, um, it wouldn't hurt those kind of people. But yeah, you you don't want to be in a situation where like, oh, if we buy too many of this stock, are we going to crumble the the system? We we shouldn't have to worry about that. We shouldn't. Too many people buying GameStop shouldn't put a risk on the system where, oh, if this keeps happening, then oh, we're literally going to go nuclear and there will be no more liquidity and we're going to have another financial fallout. Um, that that's messed up. Cool. All right. In the meantime, we'll just keep riding that roller coaster. So. Absolutely. Okay. I love you. Thank you for coming on my show today. You're welcome. Mwah. I love you too. <laughs> see you in the living room in five yeah, minutes. See you in the living room. <laughs> All right. Mocha's like Bye. sitting on my lap and my legs falling asleep. Okay. Nice. Oh, do you have anything else to say to the viewers before we go? Um, by the dip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>